Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and today we're talking to Will Marsh of Gold Connections. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk to Will Marsh of Gold Connections about his excellent new album, Popular Fiction. Brother, brother, brother podcast. I am flying solo today. It's Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with Will Marsh of Gold Connections, uh, who's just put out a fantastic new album, Popular Fiction. Hello, Will. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm talking uh, live to a fellow Charlottesville uh, native. But um, so, uh, you know, curious, this is your first full length. You had a fantastic EP last year on Fat Possum. Um, going way back, uh, to, you know, you, you choose the year, but you know, what's your first, uh, what's your first sort of, um, memories of, of music either playing or listening or how does it, how does it evolve in the, in the Marsh household? Um, first moments I really remember just, I guess, listening to music, um, as, I guess as a, a toddler, I don't know. I, I distinctly remember like sitting in a parked car like in a parking lot well I guess my mom left me in the car hopefully with the windows Correct. down but um, I was just kind of fooling around on the radio and came across like a station and said it was like ro- like rock music and I you know I was a little kid so I didn't really know what that meant I just thought of rocks <laughs> but I don't know that that moment like stuck with me I guess like I don't know maybe I connect I don't really remember the music I listened to but there's so a lot of music there, in the house. Some some moment of discovery that happened. Yeah. So I mean, were were people were you uh, did you play music as a young person or or uh, were you uh, more just a, a fan and a and a and a sponge? You've got a lot of uh, various influences. Um, were you just listening? I was a sponge for quite a while. I guess I'm still a sponge. But um, I started playing violin when I was like eight, I think. So kind of grew up playing classical music playing string instruments and sort of uh, fiddling around, if you will. And now, at this point, you play... Um, yeah, what What are the instruments you're playing on the new album? I play uh, acoustic and electric guitar and harmonica. I sing and I, I do some hand claps. Okay, so, I mean... So you're for hire in that department, um, yeah. should anybody need it. Who rounds out the band then at this point? Um, right now I have a, a great live band that I've gotten together over the past, I guess, two years or something. Um, for Ryan, Ryan Lips on uh, guitar and Patrick Haggerty on drums and, and uh, Brett Jones on bass. Um, so yeah, we're just a four piece right now. 
That's fantastic. So uh, take me through, uh, you know, from we'll, we'll cobble together the, the history, your history from sitting in a parked car to, uh, to recording an EP and, a, and an LP uh, that just came out last month, actually. Um, but um, so you, you, you're playing uh, some violin, you pick up guitar. Uh, is it the usual sort of like, you know, dorm room, college kind of uh, strumming along? Or did you get pretty serious about songwriting at a relatively early age? Yeah. Yeah, I also play drums, but um, just for the record. But um, that was my first cool instrument. Um, but I definitely started writing songs when I was like 12. And by the time I got to college, I was already, I'd already recorded a, a, a folk EP under Will Marsh, which you can't find anywhere, because that's how I want it to be. <laughs> um, so it's in a yeah. vault somewhere in the... Yeah, I've got a couple of copies lying around. But, um, so I'd already recorded in a studio songs that I'd written. So I was, I was a pretty serious songwriter, you know, definitely by the time I got to college. So you had, a, I mean, you, I, I, you know, hesitate to say the word ambitions, but it fits here. You had ambitions to, um, improve and, and get better and, and, you know, play, um, you know, record music at, at you know going forward. Um, how what does that do uh, when you get to school? Are you then um, put trying to put together a band, or are you you know playing your own thing in your own private space, or or how does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was playing solo sort of acoustic shows my first couple months in college, but my goal was has has always been. Um, to, to have a, a rock band and that's what I wanted to do when I got to college so I was kind of working through the radio station that social group to get a band together um, and I ended up joining Car Seat Headrest my first year of college um, just because I wanted to, to play music and that was, that was the first thing that opened up to me and that was an established uh, act at that point, or is he still, um, well, Toledo this is, and this is at William & Mary down in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, is he sort of still, uh, I mean, he, he was putting out, you know, full-length records at that point, or had done for years at that point. Is that correct? Yeah, um, he was, when I was in the band, he was a, a sophomore in college. But at that point, he was still... You know, he wasn't on Rolling Stone magazine or anything, but he was getting a lot of attention um, from blogs and just through through Bandcamp and in in the area. So, you know, he had already released some albums, and I think he released Twin Fantasy around the time I was in the band. I remember playing a lot of those songs. So it was definitely an establishment at that point. 2011-ish? Yeah. Yeah. And then, did you get? Were you guys playing out live as a as a full, uh, full band in in the area, or were you touring, or or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um, definitely played in Williamsburg a good amount, and I remember playing going out of town for Richmond and like some shows in Nova. We never, I never really toured with them. I don't, I don't know if they were even doing it at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely played. Played live. That was my that was my job. Like I, I played rhythm guitar um, in the live band. So did, I mean, is there a lot to learn from that? Was there? I mean, it, it, there was a sort of. Uh, I mean, I'm loath to, to you know pose it as a sort of mentorship, but I mean, there is something to be learned by somebody who's put out that uh, amount of music 
at such a young age, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're too close in age and and capability. I don't know. We were. He, it wasn't really a mentorship, but um, I definitely learned a lot and got a lot of experience and was sort of. I saw what a songwriter um, around my age was doing, um, and I'm sure it motiv- motivated me in some way. I can't build up a buried heart, a buried heart, a buried heart, but I can sing another man's song for you. I can play a different part, a whole new part, a different part, but I can't build up a buried heart for you. So what were the, I mean, I, I loved the EP last year. How many of those songs, you know, were recent or how many of them were you cobbling together through the, you know, through your earlier years? Was that, are, are both the, you know, the EP, and I know there are some crossover, but, um, you know, are both of those, you know, the songs that you sort of have in your in your bank most recently or are some of these, uh, you know, sort of ideas and notions go way back? Yeah, the oldest song on the on the record is Again Alive, which was actually on my folk EP, um, which I, I'd written it when I was 17. Um, and I think the newest song is I Believe in You, which I wrote right before senior year of college. So it was all, all these songs are basically condensed to, you know, a five-year period, four-year period where I was... I guess figuring out what I wanted to do and like what I what I wanted my sound to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're all they're all from my my adolescence. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of influences here, but I feel like there's a very distinct voice, obviously as well. And and I had to ask, um, you know, as a as a writer, I have to ask you. You know, what's the balance? Because you're obviously somebody who is a, a musical sponge. We've established that. Even uh, you've you've said it yourself. But you you know, obviously there's a you know there's a writerly element to this that is above and beyond. I mean, you're obviously somebody who takes in a lot. I think um, you know from I would imagine from literature and p- poetry and things. But you tell me. I mean, what you know, what kind of uh, um, import do you put on on words and and writing in your in your music? Well, yeah, I, I do enjoy. Well, uh, yeah, I enjoy reading, you know, philosophy and, and literature and, and poetry, um, and that's that's super important to me, and it you know shapes the way I see the world and so the way I write music. Um, but you know, it's it's all about a balance. Um, between words and, and how it fits into melody and 
and how you pull it off. So I, I, I can't really, you know, say, with, you know, I can't put down a percentage. Oh, I'm not asking for a ratio. <laughs> I just, I just was, you know, I'm just more impressed um, by the, you know, like I said, by the writerly element of this, that, that you know, there's obviously... Uh, you know, you're somebody who isn't writing melodies and then, you know, uh, you know, just tossing off words. This is something that comes with a lot of thought. Um, and it, yeah. it makes, I mean, it, it makes itself abundantly clear. I see a lot of, you know, the, the limited amounts of articles I've seen so far, you know, you rightly, rightfully sort of, you know, people compare or, or say that you're, you've, you know, you're influenced by, um, some of my favorites and some of our favorites on the pod, you know, bands like Big Star and, and you know, I, I hear a little pavement in there. And, and um, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned that you're a Bob, big Bob Dylan fan. Who are, you know, I mean, who are you listening to? And which is, all, by the way, a question that always makes your brain go clear. Um, but but like what kinds of things are you listening to when you as and I'll give you the you know, the past you know several years to, to draw on. And what kinds of things are you, you know, and I'll, I'll follow up that question actually with something else, but what are you listening, what do you listen to that you, you know, sort of, um, that are clearly influences and favorites? Um, Bob Dylan, like when I started writing songs and, I don't know, I guess getting better at songs when I started figuring out my voice, which was, I guess, when I was 17, um, I was definitely Bob Dylan kind of all the way and I think he taught me a lot about I guess telling stories and um, basically the, writing the words but Velvet Underground has always been I think the biggest influence for me in terms of how you craft a song and the music like they they put forth a, a pretty simple model um or at least one that appeals to me in, in the way they, they structure songs. Like, I don't know, something about how, how simple it is. Um, and the, I don't know. I, all I can say is the Velvet Underground ha, has a, a formula that I think I've learned from. A solid foundation that you can just build, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, Frank Geary hieroglyphic weird... Uh, you know anything on top of really it's it's uh but one of the things i was impressed with and and you know had a, a question about uh sequencing wise on on this album uh speaking of simplicity you start off the album with a seven and a half minute song that that is about uh you know three different uh chapters and ends with uh you howling i'm assuming at the top of your lungs uh, if you've got a further top of your lungs from that then i'm, I'm very impressed
but um, much left. <laughs> yeah, that's a shredder. Um, what? Uh, so tell us a little bit about like walk us a little bit through the album. Um, you know, Icarus is is a is a really dynamic song. Um, you know what what goes into writing something that has so much variety within you know it's it, first of all you know very uh humbly um uh, named uh for you know after some uh, form of greek mythology and and then you know again seven and a half minutes to open an album is pretty audacious so walk us through a little bit of of what you're thinking when you're doing that song i can with icarus i don't i remember writing the chorus I remember I was doing the laundry when I did that. And I remember figuring out the the sort of outro when it's just the four chords and the, the get back yeah, part. Get, yeah, get back. Um, and I was, I'd written the body of the song or whatever comes before that bit. And I, know, I just remember, you know, turning up the amp real loud and, and my parents' like library. We, they call it the library, very bourgeois. Um, it, it, it wasn't the conservatory, so you're safe here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember just playing these four chords, and I guess oh, just something popped into my head. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is a lot of there's a lot of chance involved in how the the music comes out. But as Icarus is just a story, and it's something I was living through, and probably still live through. That was, you know, going to come out somehow. I don't, don't, I didn't write it super deliberately though. Yeah, there's a um, there's a lot of emotion uh, that can be felt uh, going through this record, and I, I won't I won't make you explain any of it in, in particular. But it, it's you know it's it's fairly apparent that you know it's very apparent that there's you know a lot of feeling there, and it's it's you know all always what makes for uh, great songwriting. I, I did wonder in my follow-up question to what, what you know, what are the sort of uh, touchstones and, and building blocks of, of your musical, like, but what are some of the things that you, um, that you read? Who are some of the, the sort of, um, you know, who are some of the words, who are some of the writing stylists that, that you know, make you happy, both as songwriters and writers? Um, I guess Albert Camus is probably my favorite writer. Um, and his his way of looking at the world has stuck with me and encouraged me. Um, so he, he, I think he's been a big big influence, um, and I'm sure it's come across in my music somehow. I think he did initially write "Get Back, Get Back, Get Back to Rock and Roll" in yeah. in The Stranger. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's how you deal with the absurdity of existence. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so and then who you know who who among your sort of you know more uh, contemporary rock peers do you do you think of as as really um, strong writers? Uh, Kurt Vile, he was some he's someone that I listened to a lot in college. Who I always you know I was about his his records right when they came came out. Um, he's he's an influence and Mac DeMarco, like mm-hmm. Salad Days was a really big album for me. Um, from the last year of college. So that kind of, both of those guys, do they kind of teach you that you can relax while you deliver? Or is it, you know, is it a, because um, I, I mean, those are the kinds of things that I, I, you know, when I learn from other writers, it's just sort of a, 
it's like, oh, wow, you know, sometimes as you, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you can do that. You can do that and get away with it, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure if they, if I processed it as them teaching me to relax, but I think their way of playing music appealed to my own sensibilities. Um, and I think on the exterior, I'm a relatively relaxed person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get and that. you know, I, I connected with, with with what they were doing and how they were writing songs. Yeah, it's impressive. They're impressive, both of them. Um, so you're heading out on tour um, to support the album. Are you? What's the What's the nature of, of your touring schedule and, and sort of how are you? Um, you know, how are you juggling? Really, I guess becoming uh, a full fledged. Uh, you know, live band and touring act after, you know, I, I, this is really the nascence of, of your, own, you know, uh, headlining your own tour, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're touring this summer right now. Our, our first tour of the summer, which has been announced, is this June, and we're playing mostly in the American South. Uh, and we... You know, we're booking more for the rest of the summer and want to go up north again and a little bit of the Midwest. Um, but, yeah, we are in an interesting position right now where we're not getting national tours. You know, we don't have, like, a big-time booking agent. But we have a record out that I've, that I think is, is pretty excellent. Um, so we're, we're kind of in an interesting period. Um, where this music hasn't really reached many people, um, so you know we just have to work for it and 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 do what we're doing and hit hit the road um, with whatever through whatever ways we can. Yeah, so you you mostly headlining right now, and then and then I imagine there's um, you know the opportunity maybe in the fall to uh, you know to start uh, you know touring with some other acts that you're familiar with or what's the actually I mean I'm, I'm going to ask because I don't honestly know what is you know what is the process there do you do you get invited out on tour does a label connect you is it mostly through booking agents I'm, and I ask this out of pure ignorance nothing else um, for us it's, it's always been kind of all of those things you mentioned like we, we have a booking agent um, who booked this June tour and for for stuff like you know we've toured with the districts before and that was through our label fat possum or our, our label at the time and mostly for for big support um tours like with future birds that was through management like um their manager saw us at a show in charlottesville and, and reached out to us um so it's kind of getting those those dates in whatever way we can and it's I think it's always a little bit different for us and you played a, a pretty substantial gig up at uh, was it Market Hotel in, in Brooklyn a couple was it a month ago two months ago yeah and yeah. that must have had a, that must have brought out some some of the, the local professionals I would imagine yeah, oh, yeah we got, got to meet some some cool New York people that was that was, that was nice and that's kind of always how it is in New York, and it, it all just depends on who actually shows up to the show and who can who can check us out. You know, people don't always show up. Yeah. But, but yeah, with Car Seat, um, you know, we we're friends, so he'll reach out to us for for shows 
once in a while, and that's always great. So just one last run through with the album. I just give me a couple, a little bit of the particulars because uh, again, I, I was a big fan of the EP, and then um, you know I think the album sounds phenomenal. It's it's not you know it doesn't sound uh, very debutish, uh, <laughs> which I guess is uh, maybe the folk record that's that's um, locked in a safe under your bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know maybe you worked all the kinks out on that. But who worked on the album? I mean, where did you record it, and and what were the circumstances around it Daniel Guns produced it and I so I graduated from William and Mary and moved back in with my parents in Charlottesville and my immediate goal was to record an album and I heard about Daniel he's in a band called Lowland Hum and while I was away at college they were kind of blowing up in Charlottesville and um, I think they were friends of my mom's co-workers and you know, I just sent him an email with a bunch of my demos and we met up and he thought we were just getting coffee but I, at the end of the, the coffee I just asked him to produce this record for us um, and we worked on pre-production for a while and then we eventually recorded it uh, at Fidelatorium uh, Recordings which is in Kernersville, North Carolina and it's owned by Mitch Easter oh Mitch Easter's place yeah 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 I was a big um, Let's so Active fan, one. just to show my age. So, <laughs> yeah, Mitch Easter's tight. So was he? Was is he? Uh, was he around? Was he? Were you able to bounce some things off him as well? Or yeah, I saw him. Well, he was bouncing around um, with his dogs. Um, like once in a while, he'd come into the studio um, and do maintenance work. Usually, uh, I remember doing a take for the vocal take for Bad Intentions. And, and then taking a little break and he was just in the lobby like fixing the fridge and I think just his presence kind of calmed me down and motivated me I think he he probably gave me like a little bit of advice it was like um, a, a blessing from high yeah exactly that's fantastic um well you know, I I, uh, I I can't think of much other than to wish you luck on the tour and, and wish you an enormous amount of success with the album because I think it's I really do I think it's amazing and um, I've been uh, wearing a hole in it figuratively since um, you know, since you know uh, maybe po- possibly literally given my tech savvy but um, hey it's really good to talk to you really nice to meet you and um, best of luck with everything thanks so much yeah, it was great talking thank you yeah see you soon I hope. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>